When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to When in Romance, your favorite place to go for romance. I'm not even going to say I hope this time because last time Trisha corrected <laughs> me, it better be your favorite place to go for romance novel stuff. Um, I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And I agree that this is most definitely your favorite place for romance stuff. <laughs> specifically books and reading books and but reading. maybe other stuff too we don't know yeah but like like we keep saying it's not about like finding romance in your personal life because we we have no say in what you do there so yeah books and maybe other stuff but usually books um so we've got some things to talk about today but first let's thank our first sponsor Yes, we should definitely thank our first sponsor. And if we had more time, I would go into a lengthy and probably obnoxious uh, description of serendipity. Uh, it would involve a lot of things. Uh, there's a very long backstory about Earth Camp and how I learned about the definition of serendipity. And then there's a movie, John Cusack's in it. There's a lot there. But we have a lot to talk about. And frankly, mostly more than anything, you all need to know about this book. The reason I mentioned serendipity is because I have been so excited about this book since before I even knew that they were sponsoring this podcast. So the fact that uh, Priscilla Oliveras and Her Perfect Affair are the first sponsor for this podcast, the fact that I get to talk about them, and the fact that I am already so, so excited to read this book are all that that is what serendipity is to me, at least today here, film you know, recording this podcast. That is what this is to me. So again, the um the first sponsor today is Her Perfect Affair by Priscilla Oliveras. Um, it is the second in a in a, in a just a, a series that people have just been so excited about. It's about three different sisters. Um, they're all you know have different talents, different ambitions and passions. Um, and in this particular book. A, there's a world colliding situation. There's a casual encounter that turns a little complicated when a conservative librarian and secret poet spends a steamy night with her former high school crush. And we've all been there, whether it's a high school crush or a college crush or a first job crush. Like I said, you know, there's a steamy night. We've all been there. Uh, it's a, um, you know, like a, you know, come back around, second chance kind of a romance the first book in the series, Her Perfect Affair, which, spoiler alert, we're going to talk, uh, or no, Her Perfect Affair is the, is the new one. That's the one we're talking about now. Her Perfect Partner, I'm going to talk a little bit about later on, but Her Perfect Affair was chosen by Goodreads as a best romance of the month. Um, and I think, you know, it's one of the things that I think we're really excited about with this book is that um, Priscilla Oliveras writes romance with a Latinx flair, focusing on Latinx characters, which are underrepresented in contemporary romance and in fiction. We know that um, this series uh, focuses on a diverse cast of characters with an emphasis on Dominican and Puerto Rican cultures. And this book in particular, and this is one of the things that I think is just going to be so, so fascinating about it, 
deals with the concept of unplanned pregnancy for a woman who works in a conservative Catholic work environment. It also touches on the issue of class and wealth disparity, and the hero benefits from being rich and white and male, and he has that privilege, and even if he doesn't wield it in a toxic way, there's a difference between that and the heroine Rosa's uh, Hispanic background, and that's just such a big thing in romance. I think we tend to think that there are certain things that are too hard to bridge, right? I think we sometimes think that class or religion or, um, you know, conservative versus liberal, I think we sometimes think that, you know, that can be a bridge too far in romance. And the fact that this book is is navigating all of those things is a thing that I think is just going to make it a really, really deep and interesting read. Um, so anyway, it's also, it's an ideal for a reader who's interested in a sweet and heartwarming romance with diverse characters, emphasis on family bonds. We also sometimes mention that romance is actually a very affordable genre. This book in particular, if you're looking at it, you're looking at spending $4.99 in print. You're looking at spending $3.99 in ebook, which in either case is actually a pretty good deal if you're looking for a great story that you can take with you. If you're going on spring break, great. If you're pretending to go on spring break like I am, which, you know, I haven't really figured out how to make that happen yet. Maybe, maybe just go like pick a Sunday afternoon. Uh, then that's that's a good option too. $3.99 for a, for a day's worth of entertainment is, I think, pretty fantastic. So like I said, it is uh, serendipitous and very exciting um, for me and I know for Jess too that we get to um, recommend Her Perfect Affair by Priscilla Olivares. Thank you so much to them for um, sponsoring the podcast. We are so, so excited uh, that they are, um, you know, the, spon- the first sponsor for here. Here we are in episode uh, six. Super excited. Thank you. Should we talk, as we so often do, Jess, about Amazon? I guess we should. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know this before, um, but we, Jess and I uh, are again recording, we're recording early. I mentioned that partly because we're recording on April 1st, and there are elements of this story that might sound a little like an April Fool's Day joke, but they are not, which is good because you're hearing it after April 1st, probably significantly after April 1st. Significantly. Um, yeah, so that would be, that would be a little weird. Um, but yes, so we are recording on April 1st, um, and as of now... Uh, Amazon has been facing a little bit of uh, discontent um, from romance authors over the course of the last week or so um, related to uh, some frustration around, I would, would you say, ero- I wouldn't even necessarily say erotica title, Jess. I would say even erotic romance. Yeah, and it's definitely one of those things where there there is a really blurry line between the two. So, you know, it's both in erotica and books that we as romance readers read probably more often than we pick up the average plotless erotica title, um, but that Amazon classifies as erotica. Yeah. And so I think, so what's happened, what what we've been seeing over the course of the last few days, and again, this story is one that has been evolving fairly quickly. So there's a good chance that by the time you're hearing this, it will have evolved a little further. Keep an eye out for kissing books. Jess will keep you posted. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what seems to be happening is that Amazon has been recategorizing some books in their collection of books, which is essentially most of the books, frankly, uh, <laughs> as they've been recategorizing them as erotica, even if they are erotic romance. 
And some of the accounts that I have seen is that some of those reclassifications have been done based on reader reviews, um, which is a little bit of a a tricky way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, when they reclassify something as erotica, um, it has meant that that book is no longer showing up in the overarching best-selling category. So, for example, if um, I wrote a book uh, called, you know... I, I don't know. I um, <laughs> lots of sex for everyone. Uh, let's just go on. apparently I should never be an erotica author. Um, and it was uh, number fifteen um, in the erotica classification and number twenty in the overall Amazon book category, <laughs> which is probably how it would go because probably most of the best-selling top 20 books uh, in Amazon are erotica. So uh, say that happened, Lots of Sex for Everyone is a book that is doing great. Um, that book would still continue to show up in the it's, it's as number 15 in the erotica classification, but it would stop showing up as number 20 in the best-selling uh, book collection, which would be really sad for anyone who thought to themselves, I wonder what the number 20 best-selling book on Amazon is. I would like to go buy it. They could not buy Lots of Sex for Everyone by Trisha Brown, (laughs) which is really the tragedy. Uh, And that obviously is a slightly silly example for so many reasons that we probably don't have time to get into here this evening. Uh, But it is actually, it has been a real problem for a lot of authors. Mm and again, Amazon has been, I think we could, I think it is generous to say that Amazon has not been transparent right. um, around the reasons behind some of these changes, which is part of why this has been frustrating for authors. Yeah. So as of this moment, there's, we're only making the assumption that this is happening because of um, the most recent um bill that was put in, voted into law um that was written to cha- um challenge sex trafficking on the internet but is written so generally that all of these different companies that work primarily online have been making humongous changes that have affected not just people who are doing illegal sex trafficking but, you know, other people who aren't doing that, that may be writing about sex, that may be like sex workers who may or may not be acting within the law. We don't know um, because, you know, in some states it's legal. So, but, you know, there are all of these people who are being affected by this. And we're assuming that that's one of the reasons that Amazon is is making these changes, but they haven't been transparent. They haven't said, guess what? Because these things are marked as this, then we are changing them to this. Yeah, and in fact, in some ways, they've actually said the opposite. Some some um, authors have reported that Amazon has indicated that there's been an error, and so they're actually saying oh, wait, no, sorry, everyone, this wasn't supposed to happen. So just kidding, like, we're we're backtracking. And the um, law that um, Jess is referring to is called FOSTA, the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, um, previously known as SESTA, the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. And I think everybody agrees 
online sex trafficking is terrible. Horrible. Nobody wants that. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> here is saying we're on board with online sex trafficking, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's possible that some of this has gotten, that there's a, a sort of a net that has gotten caught up, um, you know, that has caught some of these titles up in that. And, you know, Amazon confirmed to some authors their new policy. There's, I'm reading a, um, a post that will, the link to that author, to, um, sorry, Amazon told some authors by email, um, after hearing from our technical team, we've confirmed that your, you know, book uh, has been recategorized due to a recent update to filter options for erotica ebooks. This is a great quote. Um, all adult theme, or sorry, all adult theme titles will be filtered from the main category sales rank as a part of this update. However, you will still continue to keep all of your category rankings. Uh, I know this wasn't the answer you were looking for, but appreciate your understanding on this policy. Please let us know if you have further questions. Um, there's another part. I there's another quote somewhere that uh, where folks say, you know, we, we feel like when things are appropriately categorized, it helps everyone find what they're looking for, <laughs> which is just such a slap in the face of someone who, if you search for a book and can't find it in search anymore, all of a sudden, I don't know, it feels like that's not really helping people find what they're looking for. It really isn't. Um, so, yeah. What it does is help people who are looking to not find something, not see something that's icky. Yeah, or, yeah, and, and who gets to even decide what icky is? Right. Right, like, if Amazon is going to be the arbiter of what, you know, and, and again, if this is a thing that they have to do because of this new law, I'm not convinced that it is. No one has really been able to closely tie those two things. I think people are making that assumption, as, as you and I have sort of, I think, sort of generously done. Mm -hmm. Um, But we haven't seen any actual evidence tying those things together. But if that's not the case, then I would be interested in whether Amazon is making these same sort of um, distinctions around violent content, violent film, or violent video games, or Mm -hmm. violent, you know, what, how does, if Amazon gets to be the arbiter of what is culturally appropriate, and for who, and what people get to find and when, uh, I would be interested in what they are deciding, um, who gets to find what and when. Like, who who is on that committee? Who is on that panel? Well, you know, in the U.S., you can blow all the stuff up you want to, but heaven forbid you have a low-cut top on. Yeah, well, yeah, or two people have some sort of consensual relationship uh, that is sexual and someone else reads about it. I don't, yeah. Yeah, 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 who knows? Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, like like Trisha said, we're um, assuming that it's due to some reason that is le- of legal, you know, issues that they would do something like this sort of out of the blue, but it could just be they just decided to do it because Amazon occasionally does that. Yeah. And for what it's worth, RWA, the um, Romance Writers of America, is looking into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, some authors have indicated that they have seen their um, rankings get restored. So, for example, um, I actually looked at uh, Gentleman in the Street by Alicia Rye just as sort of a test case a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And their Amazon bestseller overall rank had been removed at that time. But as of today, it's back. So I think some people are seeing their rankings get restored, which makes me think whether Amazon is doing it, it 
intentionally and with a too wide of painting, you know, with too wide of a brush and then correcting or whether or they, somebody decided to do it on their own and now somebody yeah. else has to fix it. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's a it's a mess and hopefully they get it fixed, especially for as we talked about on the last uh, podcast, we talked about independent authors who mm-hmm. really rely heavily on Amazon and um, especially you know, the ones they, who publish through Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But that is a thing that is happening in the world for everyone to know about. Oh, but I actually have to find you. Um, there was one uh, post that I found and granted it's from the Daily Mail, so it's not the best uh, ever, but <laughs> there is this just to brighten everyone's day. Um, the This post does point out that Amazon has been known to make sweeping changes to its erotica section in the past. Uh, and it quotes Matthew Prince, uh, CEO of the cloud services provider Cloudfare, mm-hmm. um, talking about Jeff, um, talking about Amazon's decision in 2015 to ban dinosaur erotica from the platform. <laughs> which, frankly, I don't really necessarily need dinosaur erotica in my life, but again, Somebody who gets does. to make those decisions? Yeah. Um, and Matthew Prince, the CEO of this uh, cloud services, said, "I worry about Def- Jeff Bezos' bizarre obsession with dinosaur sex." <laughs> <laughs> you can make the rational argument that if you're writing about books fantasizing with having sex with animals or children, that promotes a certain kind of behavior. But there's no risk of someone abusing a dinosaur. <laughs> so on that note, I on feel like we note. can move on. But Let's I feel like on. we needed to have a brief conversation about that. Yeah, so everyone, idea. you're welcome. That is my belated April Fool's Day gift to you. <laughs> that, that was marvelous, Trisha. Thank you. You are so welcome. All right, so uh, it seems like all we talk about is controversy, but, you know, it's good to talk about it and get all of the stuff out there and hope that by the time we finish talking about it and by the time the podcast airs, maybe not it'll have been fixed, but some kind of happier result will have come before we while you know while we got to complain and and talk about it in a very analytical manner um by the by the week later or so or in the the even longer future for anyone who might have discovered us after we've aired um that some happy solution has happened the next topic we're going to talk about isn't going to have a happy solution by next week but maybe some um some discourse will have happened by then beyond what has happened so far in only a few days i feel like uh that's a lot of build-up jess you're gonna have to tell these people what you are although they may be able to have guessed by now they may be able (laughs) they may have put two and two together we're gonna talk readers ah yes ah yes the rita awards the Romance Writers of America, for those of you who aren't as uh, well-versed, um, holds basically an Oscars for romance um, every year. And, we, you know, we've talked about the RT Awards, which um, is done by a separate publication, and they have their own method of deciding finalists. But the Ritas are... Um, Read, are voted on and decided by members of RWA. So these are authors who submit their work. They have to pay to submit, by the way. Um, they are 
I don't know if they are assigned or select a certain number of books to read outside of the category they've submitted in. Um, and then they decide on the finalists and then they decide on the winners. Well, we got the finalists for 2018, well, 2017, the books that were put out in 2017, um, very recently. And a lot of us noticed that while there are authors of color on the list, including two authors who have um, multiple nominations um, in different categories, there are um, no black authors this year. And someone brought that up, and a few of our favorites um, started a conversation on Twitter. Um, It was particularly surprising to discover that Beverly Jenkins, who is like the queen of romance, um, just decided that she wouldn't submit because she was pretty sure that that money would go to waste. She wouldn't even make it as a finalist because there is an inherent institutional racism involved. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things that it's hard to deny. And after a few circular conversations about um, the presence of black authors in RWA in general, and the fact that there has never been a Black winner, um, the RWA big organization put out um, a statement basically saying that they see what is happening, they've done the research, and this is what they say. Um, Between 2000 and 2017, the number of finalist books by Black authors is less than half of 1% of the total number of finalist books, and no Black romance author has ever won Arita. So, I mean, that right there, I know that, like, Black people are still a minority in this country, but... That's still a striking number, super striking number. Like I didn't, I I always notice as a black woman that there aren't any finalists in the Rita list that are people who look like me, but I didn't think that it would be that small of a number, especially considering the number of authors that I interact with on Twitter, the number of books by Black authors that I read, which while isn't while it isn't humongous, it's definitely more than half of 1% of the books that I read a year. Um, even if I was only reading one book by each of the authors that I read regularly, it would be a higher number than that. Yeah, it's an astonishingly low number. I think, um, I believe, and I could be wrong about this, someone else pointed out that there has also not been a Latinx uh, winner ever. Um, So uh, if I'm wrong about that, someone should definitely feel free to correct me. Or a Native American one. I was just going to say, I don't know that there's ever been a Native American author um, who has won either. There have been um, some Asian American winners, but again, not enough that... Not a representative number of um, the folks who are writing the books. So this is broadly a huge problem. And one of the more... um, So Piper Hughley, who uh, writes historical romance, um, who is, I believe, a a 
she's a, I think she's a black author. Mm -hmm. Um, she started this conversation. Um, I'm I'm sure she's been having it. I'm sure many, many people have been having it for years. Mm -hmm. I saw, um, the most recent thread come the day, uh, either the day of or the day after the Rita's, um, nominations were announced. And one of the points that she and a few of the folks that she has been talking with on Twitter were making is, the issue of historical um, romance and the issue of when uh, black American women in particular are not represented in the historical category. Mm -hmm. It is a, it's a difficult blow in a particular way because it erases such an important part of American history, not to have that experience represented. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a really, really important point. And, not that, I mean, obviously all of these are important points. It's just a, that's a, a thing that I don't know that we think enough and talk enough about because there is so much good historical romance being written in American settings by black women right now. And mm -hmm. for it not to be recognized on this kind of a stage is incredibly, not just problematic, but dangerous in some ways for us not to be recognizing that history. And, you know, I am not a member of RWA, like I'm not a member of my local chapter, I'm not a member of the national chapter. So this is this is coming from a reader, um, not someone who lives in in works in the system. Um, but the things that I've read um, over the past couple of years, actually, from black authors about their experiences at national conferences about um, why they decide not to submit their books even, or people who have submitted almost like out of spite, just to say, I'm submitting this, I exist as an author, and you're going to have to read my book, even if it's not a finalist, um, is just, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. I pulled up um, Courtney Milan's tweet. She, I think, is um, is still or has been a member of the RWA board. Um, I she's on it still. I think I looked at the board earlier today. I believe she's on until October. Okay, and um, she starts. She has a really long, awesome thread that um, I'll make sure we link to, uh, and it starts with this tweet. If we lived in a society with real representation of the 88 works that were Rita finalists this year, we would expect that 12 of them were Black, 5 were Asian, 1 was Native, and 16 were Hispanic, with some percentage of those being non-white Hispanics. So this is, this is the makeup of America, and yet it's, it's like we have such a white view of romance and the makeup of RWA and the makeup of people who actually submit their books at RWA because they know that people will at least give them a chance is mostly going to be white cishet authors. And I just wanted to say, because I threw out the word cishet, I was also thinking about the fact that a lot of queer authors have talked about their experiences um, in attempting to get into um, any kind of the circle of Rita finalists. And, you know, some of, some of the 
best books that I read last year that were not by Black authors or other authors of color were queer romances. And that doesn't show up in the Rita finalists either. So, you know, we've we've acknowledged many times that we live in a super heteronormative society, but as broader romance readers, at least when you see what Trisha and I are talking about um, here in this podcast and in our other writings with Book Riot and, you know, just randomly talking on Twitter, like, that's not all that we're reading. And I know that that's not all that you're reading. So why is it all that's represented in such a huge um, place where some people, that's all they read is the readout winners. So... I don't know. I think it's, yeah. I mean, I will say, I think um, one sort of sparkle or glimmer of hope is that the LGBTQ representation this year is up. It's a small increase, but it's there. So folks were were pointing that out, um, which makes me wonder, or at least makes me maybe even a little bit hopeful Mm -hmm. about the fact that given that folks have been having that conversation, the exact one that you were just referring to, Jess, about the lack of representation there Mm -hmm. um, around the queer population, maybe that has meant that there has been some movement on that needle, which I wonder then if maybe there could potentially be some movement in the needle of being more inclusive in terms of race and ethnicity. I don't know if that's true, um, and I don't know that the LGBTQ uh, representation was across the board. I don't know. I didn't look closely enough, and I guess I don't know the books well enough in the specific categories to know whether um, that representation was spread across all of the categories um, as it should have been. Yeah, It. I mean, it it was in the places that I expected it to be, um, but, you know, there's definitely potential for it to be spread further. Um, And, you know... I'm really happy that even that like incremental increase happened um, because those were, I mean, I, I think I've read everything in, in that sort of universe that was nominated this year, or at least I've read other books by those authors and I'm really happy for them because they're great authors. Um, I don't have the same hope that, that kind of inclusivity, inclusivity will um, help make the racial inclusivity better, um, or shows shows that racial inclusivity is going to be better. Um, in part because you know these queer authors are still white, and yeah, no, totally fair, and yep. you know I. I am definitely one of those person people who has like amazing hope for humanity as far as institutional racism goes like we've we've come a ways on the surface and I could see that happening on the surface at RWA like this is actually the second uh statement on diversity inclusivity that they've made in the past 2 years so uh, we know that RWA as a as an organization wants this to to happen but I'm afraid that even if we continue to see 
better representation that a lot of it in the lower ranks is going to be by rote. Oh, I guess I should read this book because this person wrote it. I'm like not as a I'm excited for this book not just because this person wrote it but because it sounds like an awesome book. Um and it's not capital I important because it's a book written by a black author. It's capital I important because it's the best book of the year. Like the best book I read last year is not in this list of books because that author did not see herself even making it to the finals, not even winning. Like, I'm not going to do this because I'm not going to win is something that a lot of us feel probably regularly. But knowing that you wrote an amazing book that's gotten starred reviews, that's gotten lots of chatter, that's basically everyone has, not everyone, but a lot of people have said is one of the best books of last year, Romance or No, but you know that you won't even make it into the category. So it's it's just one of those things that I hope gets better. I really, really hope gets better. Um, and next year we might see that change because enough people have pulled their heads out of this hand. But I don't know if this is just a conversation that keeps happening and then when the readers are over, it doesn't happen anymore until the next time. Yeah. I mean, but I do think um, you make a good point that it's, it does start at the reader level because I think a lot of folks, once they start reading a little bit uh, more diversely, understand that they you read more inclusively because when you have access to more stories, you have access to more good stories. And mm-hmm. when you are exposing yourself to um, more authors, you're going to find more great authors who are wonderful writers and fantastic storytellers. And um, so hopefully we can help connect some folks to some of those books. And uh, from the ground up, we can start shifting some of the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I have, I have hope. I know I started out saying that I didn't have the same hope, but I have hope. Well, and I mean, I think it can be day by day and minute to minute. (laughs) It really can. Tomorrow, I'll just be like, oh, God. Exactly. (laughs) And it's over. The hope came and went so quickly. It is what it is. It is. It is. Um, It could just be hypoglycemia. Who knows? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, today, maybe if you could set yourself yourself up with some Easter candy, we, we, we could set you either on the wrong path or the right path. I don't know. Depending. <laughs> oh, that one also varies minute by minute. It's fair. That's fair. Uh, should we set people on the right path in terms of books or do you want to talk about a different sponsor before we do that? What do you think? Let's talk about our other sponsor. Perfect. Knock it on out. All right. So thank you from When in Romance to My Lady's Choosing by... Larissa Zagaris and Kitty Coran. I really hope I said your names right. Please tell me if I didn't. Um, My Lady's Choosing is an interactive romance novel. Um, It lets you pick your path, follow your heart, and find happily ever after. Um, The heroine is a plucky but penniless heroine in the center of 19th century society. And she has the option of four... Uh, 
suitors, and there are 20 possible outcomes, including everything from forlorn orphans and fearsome werewolves to long-lost lovers and stolen Egyptian artifacts. I'm I'm ready to read this book right now. (laughs) Yeah, you had me at 20 different outcomes. I feel like for the commitment foes in the world, that is perfect. Right? And, like, there need to be more adult choose-your-own-adventure stories. Like, I read one that was, like, Romeo and Juliet, and I got... I got through like six of them and was like, okay, I think I have to stop because I could be here forever. Um, But 20, Mm -hmm. 20 I can do. Yep. So um, thank you to My Lady's Choosing and Quirk Books for sponsoring all of all of our time today. Um, And And for sponsoring like 20 different happy ever afters. Yeah, right. you you find you can find twenty different you can find twenty different romance novels in one. It kind of sounds like yeah. So um, set set aside some time to find those those twenty options. Do the notes say when this book comes out? I kind of feel like I want to read this now. <laughs> I, like maybe after after we're finished recording. <laughs> it comes out April third. So by the time this all right this um, podcast has premiered. It will be available for you to enjoy all on your own or with friends. This is a this would be a great book club book. Oh, I just that's realized a, oh, that. That's a that's a really good point. That was this would be such a fun book club book. What was your yeah. favorite? <laughs> yeah, how did you choose your adventure and why? And why are we so different? I feel like actually this would be a really good book club book because you could start to learn out. This would be a really good learning your language of love. Have you ever heard that? Like where you have languages of love uh-huh. and like different people express um, like how they love or whatever in different ways. I feel like you could learn a lot about yourself and your friends and potentially your significant other by figuring out who chooses which adventure in the <laughs> choose your own adventure uh, her lady's choosing romance book. I love this. I, I like it too. I think that yeah that. See, I'm just, I'm gonna go read it now. I think yeah. I have a copy. So oh oh well, brag about it. That's fine. I'm gonna be reading um Priscilla Priscilla Oliveras. So I you can do that, and I will be happy over here until April third. So oh. I'm good to go. Well, um, speaking actually of. Priscilla Oliveras. She was actually one of the people I was going to recommend to folks because, um, and when we, when we, when I found out that we were, uh, that our, our podcast was sponsored by her second book, I realized that I've had her first book, um, his perfect partner since I went to a panel that she was on in December. Um, oh, jealous. I was really excited about it. Yeah. It's, oh man, just, this was the best panel. I, I think I might've told you about it. So Duende district here in DC, um, is a pop-up bookstore and it hosted this amazing panel of romance authors. There had to be eight or nine different people. Like Tracy Livesey was there, Andy J. Christopher, Robin Covington, Priscilla Oliveras, um, Mia Sosa. Like it was this fantastic, amazing panel of authors. I ended up with so many books and so many recommendations. And actually that is going to be one of my recommendations for all of you is to look around and see what kinds of book events are happening near you and where you can go hear authors talk about their books, particularly, um, writers of color like if you're trying to find a new author or someone that you want to hear talk about their book go listen and hear them talk about it but anyway that's a little bit of a digression but I realized that when (laughs) when I realized I realized that when the second book was coming out I still had not um 
picked up yet um, his perfect partner, which is Priscilla Oliveres' first book mm-hmm. in the series, um, like I mentioned earlier. And I, so I started it the other day, and I'm already so excited about it. It's this really lovely um, book. It's there's For those of you who are into single-parent romances, the uh, dad in this book, uh, Tomas Garcia, it, so he's this dad, he's like raising his daughter, she's in this dance class, but he's like trying really hard to do well at his job. <laughs> and so, um, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, the dance instructor, Yasmin, um, is a little bit underwhelmed by his participation in the dance class. Also, the, door, like, the daughter is super adorable. She um, is. But like, they're trying, I don't know, they're, tr- like, they're trying to figure it all out, but it's, it's a really, it's a great book. It's like very fun and very sweet. Um, and there is a lot of like, just really great fun culture stuff in there. I know how you feel about dance books. So (laughs) if you have not read this one yet, I feel like you should be all in on it already. Um, I can send you my copy to read when I'm finished. If you can't (laughs) wait that long, then you can just pop on to your Kindle. But, um, when we were talking about books that we wanted to recommend to people, if they are trying to think a little bit more, uh, you know, if you haven't come across a book and you're looking for a recommendation, that's a good one. That's that's my first rec. So from here, I don't know if you've got one on your side, Jess. Well, I um, not only did someone reach out to us about some um, good historical romance that maybe didn't make it into the finalists for the readers, but I, you know, I had this book that I had I had gotten a sample of and still hadn't read, but then it went on sale and it was like, okay, I'll just go ahead and buy that um, because I am a sucker for 99 cent sales. I mean, I think a lot of us are, especially, well, I mean, if we're, if we read digitally anyway, I mean, okay, I would love a 99 cent sale of print materials as well. If any publishers are listening and you just want to like put some print stuff on sale for 99 cents, do you know how many books you would sell? Yeah. Okay, but anyway, so this particular book um, was one that I had seen people talking about, but it hadn't really explored, and it was called The Doctor's Discretion by E.E. Ottoman. And the thing that drew me to getting the sample, even before anyone that I followed said anything about it, was the cover. It's a cover in color that is obviously 19th century and there is a black man on the cover with someone else that looks male with their arms around him. And I was like, give me that book. Um, And as I read more about it and read more of it, I got to love it even more. So E.E. Ottoman is a um, trans or NB author, and this is, I think, their first historical. and um, they're white, but they did a pretty good job thinking about how a black man in New York City in the 19th century, before the Civil War, um, would sort of think about their life, even if said black man is a very well-educated doctor. And if there's anything that makes a book by and about a trans person even better, it's when there are no aristocrats involved and both people are doctors. So you've got Doctors Blackwood and Black Dr. Hill. Dr. Hill is transmasculine. Um 
And I want to say potentially intersex, but I don't know. Um, And Dr. Hill works at a hospital where there is a new patient that everyone is really curious about. They were found out for being a woman living their life as a man. And Dr. Hill really wants to help him. So he enlists um, his new BFF slash co-worker slash friend with benefit to help him to save this man who is in captivity and will be experimented on and kept in prison for the rest of his life. So that's the setup for that. And there's all kinds of fun things that happen both personally and with the intrigue. And I will say it wraps up a little too much into a bow, but it's a it's a fun ride while you're going while you're on it. So go ahead and check that out, The Doctor's Discretion by E.E. E. Ottoman. And I don't know if it's still on sale because now it's been a couple weeks. Um, but even if it's not on sale, it's worth checking out. Well, that's the thing, right? Sounds like it's worth it either way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are right. We did get a request for um, sort of a, some for a diverse set of historical recommendations. And actually the one that I had on my list um, to make sure to recommend was um, a book by, well, actually a series, but a book, the first book is called The Preacher's Promise. It's actually by Piper Hughley, who I mentioned earlier. Um, and this book is great for a lot of reasons. Um, it, so it's set in 1866. So really just after the end of the Civil War. And it's set primarily in Georgia. The heroine starts out in Ohio, but she moves down to Georgia. Um, it's a woman who um, attended Oberlin College, so she's actually a college graduate. Uh, her name is Amanda, and she is the daughter of a recently deceased abolitionist. Um, so she was never actually enslaved, but she goes to a teaching job um, that had been offered to her father down in Georgia um, before he died. And she is not the teacher that the mayor slash uh preacher slash blacksmith of the town had been <laughs> expecting. Uh, so you can imagine that he is surprised to see her. Um, <laughs> and he, the uh, he actually tries to send her back. And as it turns out, that is not going to work because she doesn't really have a lot that she can go back to. Um, and this book is great, like I said, for a few different reasons. It's a tradition. It's or Sorry, it's a, it's a trilogy, but it's a trilogy in the traditional sense and not so much in the romance sense, mm. which is to say that, um, I don't know how to explain this in the way that doesn't give things away. So the first book has an emotionally satisfying ending. <laughs> and also you get to continue to read about these characters in other books. And so you get to sort of continue to see their story evolve and the challenges that they feel face both in their relationship and in their lives and culture mm-hmm. um, as they're navigating the post-reconstruction um, era in Georgia. Uh, it's also, it's an inspirational um, romance book, which traditionally that means faith-based. Usually it means Christian and it is Christian in this sense. Often it also means white. It is not white in this sense. <laughs> so that's uh, a great example of um, a way that we're doing something a little bit different. Um, I actually heard um, Piper speak on a, a, an inspirational romance, or actually it wasn't, it was an inspirational, a non-traditional inspirational romance panel last year at RT, and she was great and spoke very honestly about some of the really awful things that she had experienced being a non-white um, 
writer who writes faith and Christian based romance. But um, at any rate, it's a it's a fantastic book. It's a really great series. Um, and she is a wonderful author. So The Preacher's Promise is the first book in the series, but you might want to just buy all three because you're going to want to keep reading them. So that is another recommendation. Um, and I was going to mention too, you know, um, I was telling Jess before we started, uh, I am, I am a white person. I am very white. I, I just got my 23, I got my 23 and me results back. And like, I'm so white. I might be like part leprechaun. Like, there's like I'm very white. Um, but you know, one of the things that I sometimes think about when I'm reading is the fact that we talk so much about, um, how important it is that everyone of every different kind of person and identity should be able to see themselves represented in books or stories or movies or life of every kind. Mm -hmm. And I th that's absolutely true. But a friend of mine tweeted, he's a writer, um, who writes children's books, and he tweeted about a year ago about why he writes, and he echoed that sentiment. But he also talked about how important it is that you, that everyone see other kinds of people represented in stories as well mm -hmm. because while it's true that if you don't see yourself represented in books as the central character you start to forget that that's not how life is mm -hmm. if you only ever see yourself represented as the main character in a book then you forget that that is not how life is also right so if mm -hmm. you are a, if you are a, well, if you're me, right? If you are a white heterosexual woman who only ever sees yourself represented in romance, then you run the risk of forgetting that the world is a much wider, broader place. And so I think as a reader, um, I have a responsibility, all of us have a responsibility to look and find, you know, people who are different from us in all kinds of different ways and who have different life experiences. And it's not that hard to do. And like Jess made the point earlier, we do it because these books are great. You know, mm -hmm. like you don't do it because it's a chore or because you're trying to be a good person. You do it because the more different kinds of books you expose yourself to, the more great books you can find. So I would just encourage folks to take a look at yourselves or your Kindle or your e-reader or whatever. Take a look at your TBR. Take a look at your Goodreads shelf. Um, you know, see what you are doing. Think about what you're recommending to your friends because if you're listening to this podcast, if you are a reader... Um, you are probably the kind of person that people are asking for recommendations and think about what kinds of books you are thinking about and talking about and, you know, think about who you are following on Twitter or social media in terms of authors and figure out how you can maybe make sure that that's a, a broader net of people. It's a, it's an incredibly rewarding experience to, to broaden your scope of, of books and readers and authors. So thank you, yeah. Trisha. Yeah, that's, that's just a thought. That's great. And, uh, I'm just going to say it. Please take the phrase, I don't care what color the author is as long as it's a good book out of your vocabulary. <laughs> Because sometimes to those of us who are not white heterosexual women, that's just you saying only white heterosexual women write good books. So take it out and see what happens because then you will discover other people and what an amazing thing it is to discover other people <laughs> it is indeed right um uh, did you have other recs jess i didn't mean to go on my soapbox and and distract from the thing i just wanted to like i said i i didn't want it to you know i didn't want it to go without saying and uh, i am really glad that you said it 
But I did have one more that isn't like a complete recommendation because I haven't finished it yet. Um, but it's an author that I love and never steers me wrong. So I imagine that the end of this book will not be a fiery mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we have to make a correction in two weeks, you will know. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will definitely tell you if somehow this magically ends up being a fiery mess and I need to tell you to like take it off your shelf. But this book, um, I actually have a print copy of this book even though it originated in an anthology so the print copy is really really skinny but um I still haven't finished it and this is Let Us Dream by Alyssa Cole it um was first seen in Daughters of a Nation which is a collection of books um written by women of color about the um about various periods of um women fighting for suffrage or suffrage um and this one is takes place during the time that women's suffrage is a little closer to happening um and it's just beautiful because for one thing we rarely get um romances of any length that take place in this time period um and also it was it's a it's a really interesting setting um, because our heroine, Bertha, is actually um, a club owner and she, um, I, I think, used to be a prostitute, but now is not. Um, I, that's what I've picked up from her hints, even though she hasn't said it yet. Um, and our hero is Amir. He actually was born in India and then got... Um, onto a British vessel to work and then hopped off in New York because they treated him terribly and all of his um, Indian compatriots very terribly as well. And now he lives in New York working, you know, all kinds of kitchen jobs, although his main desire is to cook. And the two of them don't hit it off very well initially and you know how you I don't feel say. about that you don't say <laughs> so um I haven't gotten very far but I'm really enjoying the setting and the conversations that have already been had about suffrage and what Bertha herself is doing to activate the people in her circles to vote for women's suffrage um and it's just, you know, it's not going to be very long. I'll probably finish it before this episode even airs. But it's a marvelous little story so far. So that's Let Us Dream. Um, and if you've read Let It Shine, also by Alyssa Cole, in another um, anthology, then you know how she can work with fewer pages than usual. So... Definitely. And, you know, we couldn't go an episode without mentioning at least one Elisa Cole book. I mean, we actually did last time. I realized as I was tagging authors last time that we, we managed, but, but oh it's good gosh. to know we're back in the pattern. We're back. And actually do check out the anthologies, y'all. Like Daughters of a Nation is a great one. Um, oh, man. I'm going to stick with Daughters of a Nation for right now. That's a great set of, of stories. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a good way to expose yourself to some new authors without necessarily 
having, if you're like me, commitment phobic, don't know if you can do 300 full pages. I mean, and there's only the, as far as we know, there's only the one choose your own adventure romance right now. Right. So, you know, we better. Although who knows? A lot. Maybe, it's true. maybe by this maybe. time next year, there'll just be all kinds of choose your own adventure romances. Oh man. And what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful spring that will be for us all. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up, Jess. We probably should, because as usual, we've held you hostage for longer than we meant to. We actually, we're, we're doing pretty well. But um, I would like to say before we close up, many thanks to uh, Julia, Jenny, Candice, and Ruby Lang, who we talked about last week, for helping us to reclaim the When in Romance uh, Instagram hashtag. We're still at it. So everybody else who wants to help, um, you know, reclaim it. There's apparently like a clothing company or something now who's also trying to steal it. This is getting very real, you guys. So I don't know. I'm just we saying everything win. you can do, you can do it. Like, again, thanks to the folks who are on it already, everybody else. Um, I am still on Instagram at uh, Trisha Haley Brown. I'm on Twitter as well at Trisha underscore reads. Um, Jess is on social media as well. Yep. Um, Jess is reading on Twitter and Jess underscore is underscore reading on Instagram because that was too late. <laughs> it happens. These things happen. Um, as always, the full links uh, to the show are in the on. They're available on Book Riot. We will stick those up there. Huge, huge thanks to the folks who sponsored the show today. Absolutely. Uh, are we missing anything else, Jess? Um, come back next time. Yeah, we look forward to yeah oh yeah rate and review us um if you are enjoying the show um if you are not enjoying the show i mean you can still do it maybe less urgent uh, for you to rate and review us um, but until we uh, hear from all of you again feel free to you know read away and we look forward to hearing about it happy Absolutely. reading everybody happy reading thanks for listening we'll see you again soon well talk to you again soon one of the two yeah maybe both who knows who knows bye everybody all right